Thanks for tuning in to the New Life South Coast podcast. We want to extend an invitation to sit in live with us during our weekend service. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message inspires you, but also challenges you in your walk with God. For more information, visit our website at newlifesouthcoast.com. Now here's Pastor Marco with an encouraging word. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of Nehemiah. We're going to continue this talk on heart for the house. Jesus said that his passion is for the house of the Lord, the church. And as God's people, we have to align our passion with his passion, care about what he cares about. That's when we know we are really doing the will of God. And so the last few weeks, we've been using the book of Nehemiah as a template to look at what does it take to really be a church that is reflecting the heart of God in this city. Because we're not here just for ourselves. We believe we're here for our entire city and region. We're here to have a place where people can come and encounter God and have their lives transformed. But it takes a group of people, like you just saw in this video, who say, I'm all in. It's personal for me to serve God, to make a difference. I don't want to just be a face in the crowd. I don't want to just go to church. I want to be church. And so, you know, it starts with a passion for God's house. And, and, and it's personal because it takes ownership, right? When you buy a house, you have ownership of the house. You don't say that's their house. You say it's my house, right? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's ownership. You got to take ownership of the things of God. And it, and it, takes, it takes a group of people who are thinking beyond just me, myself, and I. We're thinking we, that we can all play a role in this. And Nehemiah is a beautiful illustration because he goes back to his home and he begins to now rally the people to buy into this. Thousands of people bought into this idea. We can, we can bring back the presence of God. And we talked about that last week. The heart for the house leads to having a heart for the word of God. And the word of God is our anchor in this ever more shifting society. Amen. So I want to continue that, 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 that focus today and jump into chapter 9. After they read the word of God, now they begin to confess their sins. I want to talk to you about having a heart of repentance today. That's the title of this message, Heart of Repentance. And Nehemiah chapter 9 gives us the template of what this looks like. On October 31st, the people assembled again. And this time they fasted and dressed in burlap and sprinkled dust on their heads, which was a tradition of saying, God, we're sorry. It's a sign of contrition. See, I want to tell you this right off the bat. There's a difference between remorse and repentance. Remorse is just feeling bad. Repentance is, is going to God and saying, Lord, we don't want this anymore. We want something different. We want your will. Can you say amen? Those of Israelite descent separated themselves from all foreigners as they confessed their own sins and the sins of their ancestors. They remained standing in place for three hours while the book of the law of the Lord, their God, was read aloud to them. Remember, they hadn't had the Bible in years, so they were hungry for God's word. Is anybody hungry for God's word? Yeah. Then for three more hours, they confessed their sins and worshipped their, they, they worshiped the Lord, their God. Can you say amen? Heart of repentance. It's how you come back to being who God created you to be in the first place. You guys know I love movies. And so I want to throw it back to one of my favorite movies when it comes to kids' movies. Um, when we moved from Verde, my younger sister was only one years old, Melissa, who used to lead worship here before she got married, was taken away from us. Um, <laughs> And she absolutely loved the movie Lion King. How many people are familiar with the movie Lion King? Now, this is the VHS days. Remember the rewinding days? So when I was on babysitting duty, she would want to watch Lion King. And the moment it would end, she would say, again. And it takes you about 30 minutes to rewind the VHS <laughs> tape. And you want to hit it just right. You don't want to go too far. 
because then you get through all of the previews, right? And then, and then you want to stop it just right so you can start again. And, and, and the worst is watching a movie with those people that are like, oh, I didn't catch that. Can you rewind that? Right? I have an uncle that every time we used to watch movies together, a movie that would be an hour and a half would, would take about four hours to watch. Because you'd be like, I need to go to the bathroom. Can you pause that? But then he comes back. He's like, but yeah, but can you remind it back like 20 minutes ago? Um, so VHS days were very interesting. But Lion King is an amazing movie. And if you're not familiar with Lion King, you need to get your gay movie up because that's one of the best of all time. Little background. Simba, the king, he's the Lion King. But in the, in the beginning, he's still a young buck. And he's being developed into becoming the next in line. And his father, Mufasa, <laughs> is teaching him the ropes. But he's got a, a weird uncle named Scar. Scar, who wants to be the next in line. And so Scar plots this. I'm going to ruin the movie for you. If you haven't seen it, it's been like 30 years. So I, <laughs> I mean, no, it's not like you're going to watch it now. So... Let me just go ahead and tell you what happens. Uh, so Scar plots to kill Mufasa so he can take the throne, and he blames it on Simba. And Simba, being young, naive, didn't know any better. So, so Scar convinced him, listen, this is your fault. You should run away. Never come back. And so, and so he does run away to a distant land, and he befriends two amazing people called Simone and Pumba. Have you ever heard of a kuna matata? <laughs> it means no worries for the rest of your days. It's a problem-free philosophy. It's a kuna matata. Right? So he's in this place. But all along, he's got a good friend named Rafiki, who still believes that he's supposed to be the king. He comes after him. And so... In this moment, I want to show you this clip where Rafiki helps him to begin to reconcile back to who he was supposed to be in the first place, because he wasn't supposed to be in the distant land, he was supposed to be the king of his people, but he was in the wrong place. And so this is the beginning of the restoration of Simba's life, so take a look. That's not my father. It's just my reflection. No. Look hard. You see, he lives in you. for repentance is remember who you truly are. Repentance is coming back to the beginning 
and the original state of who you're supposed to be. Sin will develop the fake or the false version of yourself. It's funny because all the years of watching this movie, I always thought Akuna Matata was this really cool philosophy until it dawned on me this week that Akuna Matata was actually the false version of who you're supposed to be. And we say it like it's a cool thing. It's a problem-free philosophy. But the problem is when you have a purpose, you're not supposed to live a problem-free philosophy. Akuna Matata to me is the, is the version of the good vibes only thing we have going on in our society right now. In order to have good vibes, it means you have no purpose, you have no identity, you have no fight, you have nothing to push for, to look forward to, other than trying to live a careless free life. My friends, that is sin at its core, because you're not being who God created you to be. It's saying, I want to avoid all responsibilities at all costs. And there's no greater sin in the kingdom of God when you're not being who God created you to be. In the first place. So that's why the word repentance is another word for remembering. You must go back to the original state of where you're supposed to be. And that's why the word remember is one of the most used words in the entire Bible. God has to constantly remind us this is not the goal. This is not the end. This is not the means. The goal is for you to be everything I created you to be. And to live the purposeful life that I created you to be. Notice he said that you're... You are the reflection of me. The Father says we are the reflection of who he is. My friends, we were, we were created to be sons and daughters of the king. Not peasants of a society who only cares about themselves. This is powerful. This moment where they come to repent to say, God, we missed it. Another word for repentance is missing the mark. We missed what you created us to be in the first place. And we need to come back to Reclaim our position, my friends, in the kingdom of God. It's to become everything that God created us to be. This is a moment of reconciliation, of repentance, of healing, of restoration, and of affirmation. God wants to affirm, you are my son, you are my daughter, in whom I am well pleased when you are aligned with my will and my purpose. Because if you're doing a kuna matata, you're not doing my will. Come on, are you tracking with me? So my friends, we, remember, we repent to remember who we truly are. We realign ourselves back to God and his will. Back to our original identity and purpose. Created in the image and likeness of God. So repentance, if you take your notes, is we change our hearts and our minds. From where we are to where we're supposed to be. We want your will, God, above everything else. And sin, my friends is missing the mark of God's will. Simba missed the mark of his calling. His calling was to be a king. A king, my friends, has authority, has identity, and has purpose. He wasn't supposed to be hanging out with these, with these peasants doing absolutely nothing with his life. Because the reality is, when we're not living on purpose... That becomes old really fast. Right? Right? I don't know if you've ever been on vacation, but after like a few days, you're like, I need to work. Oh, okay. (laughs) Just. (laughs) It's called vacation, not a lifestyle. Right? Like, there is a purpose in me. I was built with a purpose. Go back to Genesis 1. God says, I created you. To subdue the earth, to work, to make a difference, to build things, to, to, to exalt me, to worship me, to help people, to bless people, to, to make this world a better place. Like that's you, When you're not doing those things, you're sinning because sin is not just smoking and drinking. Sinning is not doing the will of God. It's missing the mark. My friends, the word for sin in Greek is the word, is the word um, anathema, which means like you missed the point. Like if there's a bullseye, you're missing it. That's what Simba was doing, because here's the thing. He wasn't doing anything wrong, but he wasn't doing anything right. See, too many people have that philosophy of life, I'm not doing anything wrong. That's not the point. The point is, what are you doing right? Are you aligned with the will of God, with the purpose of God, and the things that God created for you to be doing? 
We're not called to live a defensive life and not do anything wrong. We're called to be on, a, on the offense, fighting for justice, fighting for peace, making a difference, reaching out to those who can't reach for themselves. That's the point. When you're not living in the will of God, you're disrupting shalom. You're disrupting the peace that God created for you. That's why the good vibes thing doesn't make sense. Because it's like, what is the good vibes rooted on? If it's just a feeling, it, goes, it comes and goes. But the people of God have good vibes regardless of what's going on. Because they already establish where the vibe comes from. You're not trying to create a vibe. You are in the vibe. There's nothing like living in a sweet spot of God's will for you. Then you're not looking to be happy. You are already happy. You're not looking for another thing. You, are, you already have the other thing. I don't know if you're tracking what I'm trying to get at. You know, instead of, listen, God's people, when they're living in, in the sweet presence of God, they're not even worried about sinning. That's not even the point. The point is not to try not to sin. The point is to live so on purpose with God that sin is not even a focus of my heart, of my mind. That's the point. Because the reality is, every relationship needs harmony to thrive. You could be in a chaotic relationship if there's no harmony. Right? Relationship takes, it takes two to make things go right. It takes, it takes two to make it out of sight. And I want to rock right now. And every healthy relationship needs repentance. I was just joking with a young man who just, who just got engaged. I said, listen, two things, bro. Yes, and I'm sorry. We'll take you a long way in this relationship. Okay, y'all getting ready to plan a wedding? Just say yes to everything. Blindly, just say yes. It will, it will save you a lot of headaches. It will save you a lot of fights. Matter of fact, listen, why fight over a day? The wedding is a day. You got a lifetime of fighting going your way. So start saying yes now. Hey, I'm trying to help us, guys. You know, like, let's reduce the stress and anxiety in our lives. Just say yes. You know, I don't want, I'm not a yes man. Well, then, good luck. Yes and I'm sorry goes a long way in a relationship. You see, God created us for relationship. This is why I love about this, this, this picture of repentance. Notice the picture of repentance was not, Simba, what are you doing? Simba, can you believe? How, how dare you leave your home? It, you know, it's Simba, remember. Remember. I know most of us grew up in religious settings where it's, what are you doing? Most of us have a bad understanding of repentance because all it was was a guilt trip. This is, this is the hardest part, me preparing for this lesson today, because I was like, man, I know most of us grew up in those environments where it's just like, what are you doing? And you feel guilty already. So here I am trying to tell us about repentance. You're like, oh, you're going to make me feel more guilty. No, that's not the point. The point is to remember who you're supposed to be in the first place, because you cannot operate out of guilt. You got to operate out of love. You got to operate out of acceptance. I tell you, we need to do each other a favor in God's economy. It's to not point to the sin. It's point to the identity. Let's speak to that heart of identity like we know who we're supposed to be. The, word, the, the, the last thing someone wants to hear who hasn't been to church in a while is, where have you been? <laughs> They're already feeling that. And here you are, Captain Obvious... Making it worse. Why don't we just say, so good to see you. We're so glad that you're here. But here's the thing with repentance, my friends. Write this down. Repentance without change is only emotionalism. If I don't mean it, then it doesn't mean anything. Matter of fact, a lot of relationships are in trouble because we say what the other person wants to hear, but we don't mean it. You see, God says, listen, you can worship me with your lips, but your heart could be far from me. He said, true repentance is from the heart. 
True repentance is when you actually are in tune with the reality that, man, this relationship right now is broken. And I'm not going to put a band-aid over it. We need to deal with this thing. You see, what, 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 what this, this, this clip is so powerful. This is not a band-aid. This is a, hey, Simba, dig deeper into who the core of you. My friends, that's true repentance is where we get to the core of us. Because we've got to ask the self, our question is, how did we get here? If you don't get to that core, you will find yourself in the same mess again. Because you will say what you need to say and then go back to the same lifestyle that you were in before. Now, this is where you fill in the blanks. Because we're all unique in our sin. Can you say amen? But the Bible tells us this in James chapter 4, verse 8. Watch this. This is the brother of Jesus. Says, he says, listen, come close to God. God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. And he wasn't like saying like, you sinners. He's saying like, wash your hands. You're missing the point. Purify your hearts. Because you know, God goes straight to the heart. He knows our motives. He knows our intentions. For your loyalty is divided between God and the world. When you're not living fully in the middle of sweet spot of God's grace, you are divided in your loyalty. And we won't all want loyalty. It's what we scream about every day, don't we? Loyal friends. No one's loyal anymore. God's like, what about you? Are you loyal to me? This is why this thing is about personal introspection more than who's doing what. It's like, God, am I in tune with you? Am I walking with you? Am I living in the fullness of your will? Am I fulfilling the, the, the God-given potential that you put inside of me? And what's so cool about that is, remember, God initiates the conversation. Did you notice that? To me, Mufasa represents Father, God. He initiates it. That's the beauty of this thing. God's not waiting for you. God comes to initiate the conversation. Watch this, right? Here's what Paul says about God and repentance. Look, in, in Romans 2, he says, Look, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Another version says, don't you get it that it's his goodness that leads you to repentance? Like, if God is not tugging on your heart, you're not even thinking about repenting. If God doesn't initiate the conversation, you will stay in your sin. You will stay in your rebellion. If, if Mufasa hadn't come, Simba would keep living the Akuna Matata life and never fulfill his purpose in life. It's possible to pursue good vibes and never find the God of the vibes. Just don't, man, I'm, 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 I want to pull you closer to me so you can actually fulfill. Listen, again, most of us grew up in churches. All they did was highlight the sin, but not the heart that God's saying, no, that's why you don't want to sin. So we grew up with wrong mindset of what it means to be guilty. There's good guilt, and then there's horrible guilt. Right? This goodness leads to repentance, which means it's, it's a healthy guilt to understand I'm away from the will of God. It's an unhealthy guilt when I'm trying to earn my way back to him and not realizing that he's already aligned himself to me. And he's just saying, come, I love you for who you are, but I refuse to leave you as you are because I have too much that I want to do in your life, but also through you. If you would have stayed in that wilderness, he would have never fulfilled the will of God over his life. He would have had a kudamatara, but he would have never had God's will. You will never see that movie the same way again. <laughs> it's his goodness, my friends, that he's saying, you're missing the point. Right. Come back to me. Listen, this is deeper than religious guilt. This is more than feeling bad. When I was a high school student, I mean teacher, you know, I, I, I thought in a school, it was a Christian school, and... I was the principal, vice principal, I was the chaplain, I was a teacher, I did gym. And so, and so discipline was part of my job. And when you're dealing with teenagers, that's every day. 
But, you know, the question that I always had for them was this. Every time. My number one question is this. Are you sorry for what you did or are you sorry you got caught? Big difference. Big difference, my friends. Repentance is not remorse. If you're only sorry for getting caught, then you don't fully understand what sin is. And usually, my heart breaks for those kids who are only concerned with who snitched versus I need to deal with this thing. You know why? Because that 15-year-old who doesn't understand what he's done will turn into a 20-year-old who doesn't understand what he's done. He will turn into a 25-year-old who doesn't understand what he's done. He will turn into a 25-year-old who doesn't understand what he's done. He will turn into a 30-year-old who not understand what he's done. And now we have a problem because we've created a philosophy of passing the buck and worried about what everything else, everybody else is doing and not taking time to take some reflection to say, God, how did I get here? And that was Simba. He started to do that, deflecting it as opposed to taking ownership for myself. There's a difference between feeling bad and going to God. There's a difference. A lot of times we think because we felt bad for something, that's it. That's emotionalism, my friends. Repentance requires action beyond emotions. Because sometimes repentance requires reparation with others. Here's another religious myth. We say it's between me and God. But God says if he, it affected other people, it's not just between you and I. It's between you and I, and you need to go make reparations with the other person that you hurt in the process. My friends, this is cleansing and restoration. Here, here, here's the promises of the Bible. In, in John, he tells us this. He says, look, but if you confess, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. He wants to cleanse. He wants to restore. He wants to purify us. My friends, the thing is, unconfessed sin comes with a price. When we don't confess, when we don't yield, it, it affects you physically. It affects you emotionally. It will affect you spiritually. It will affect you financially. It will affect every area of your life. Unconfessed sin is like living with cancer and no remission. It will eat at you. It will make you so guilty that you don't know what to do with yourself. You will put on your Sunday best but feel rotten on the inside because you haven't released. Things that God can actually purge you from and cleanse you from. Let me give you an example of that. King David wrote these words as he was reflecting on a sin that he hadn't confessed. And look what he says in Psalm 32. He says, look, oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has clear of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. Look at verse 3. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away. Do you ever feel constricted inside? You feel like you, you can't move on. You should check your heart and say, is there something I haven't released? I'm telling you, guilt, condemnation, anxiety, stress, these are not God's will for you. And I groan all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. Because God won't let you off the hook. Why? Because he loves you too much to leave you there. He says he disciplines those he loves. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. He's trying to give you an illustration. This is how I'm feeling on the inside. Because I haven't released this to the Lord. Finally, I confess all my sins to you, and I stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, 
I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Thank God for forgiveness. My friends, we're not meant to carry guilt and shame. It will sap your strength. We're not meant to live without reconciliation with others. You ever had yourself a good day and you saw the person you haven't forgiven and your day was ruined? I know we're in church, but can we have an honest, repentant moment here? That's when you know you still have work to do on your soul to release it. And to let it go. Because you have to understand this. This is, my friends, in those moments where there is a prison in your mind. And you hold the key to that prison. When you release yourself. Because you're not trying to, you're not releasing the other person. You're releasing actually yourself. Because the other person could be having a good day and not even thinking about you. That's what's crazy about this, by the way. The people that you're worried and thinking about are not even thinking about you. And here you are, stewing in your own misery, in your own guilt, in your own shame, because you won't let yourself be set free. you got to let go of that pride, that ego, and that hurt, and, and say, God, I need to break free from this thing that's holding me back for so long. Some people go years in that prison. It will ruin your life. It will ruin those around you. It's hard to live with people who are bitter. It's, it's really hard to live with people who are guilty all the time. It's really hard to, to live with people who are prideful, who won't let go of things. That's why repentance is part of our lives. Unconfessed sins will, will sap everything about you. Listen, the thing we have to understand about Christianity is it's both. It's horizontal and it's vertical. God says the two greatest commandments is to love him with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. So I need repentance horizontally, but then I need repentance vertically if I'm going to have peace in my life. I want to show you a couple of things that Jesus said. Look, in Matthew 5, Jesus said this about, about vertical repentance. Watch, he said this. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you. Notice he said, that someone has something, not that you have something against them. Leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Did you notice when Jesus did that? He didn't say, hey, you know that person has something against you. And what did we say? Well, it's their problem. See, following Jesus is very challenging because Jesus would say, I want you to do something about that. But my goodness, that takes humility, doesn't it? Wait, you, you, you got a problem with me and I have to go to you? Can you imagine if God treated us the way we treat others? Because that's eye for an eye, my friends. That's Old Testament. We live in the grace period. Where we receive grace freely and we're supposed to give grace freely. And you don't know, you, you, you listen, you haven't understood grace until you start giving it freely. Because if you haven't given grace freely, you haven't received grace. You've received religion, you've been catechized, you've been baptized, but you don't know what grace is. Because grace freely receives and freely gives. Because he knows, listen, if it wasn't for the grace of God, I would not be able to live my life. Paul goes on to say this. Paul says this, look, in, this is talking about church relationships. Look, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Jesus goes as far as saying, if you don't forgive others, I won't answer your prayers. So in other words, some of us haven't received a breakthrough because we haven't forgiven somebody what a shame to not receive a blessing because we're holding a blessing the God's kingdom God's economy is about exchange you give you receive you receive you give 
When you're not doing that, you know what you're doing? You, you're blocking the flow of blessing. He said streams of living water should follow you, right? But he says if, there is, if there's obstacles in the way, then it gets stopped. God wants your life to flow. That's why freely you give, freely you receive. This is why repentance is not a one-time thing. Repentance is a lifestyle. To constantly make sure that I'm not letting anything block the flow of God's grace over my life. Between me and him, but also with others. I'm amazed how many religious people who quote the Bible, but won't forgive anyone. If we really understood the grace of God, we would have no room to be judging anybody. If we fully understand the grace of God, we would talk less about hell, and we would talk more about repentance. If we truly understand the grace of God, we would talk less about the world and focus more about what's going on in the church. Because he said judgment begins in the house. God's not going to judge the world. He's going to judge God's people for not being who they were called to be and, and, and reflect his heart, which is grace and goodness and mercy and repentance and transformation and healing and restoration. And we keep doing that again and again and again. And let me tell you something. Here's the most... Challenging part of this message. The longer you are in church, the more you run the risk of becoming a religious, prideful person. I would tell you this right now. Those who are in church longer need to repent more. A newbie in the Bible, in church, they just can't wait to repent. Because they're like, man, I've been jacking things up. I'm so glad that there's healing and there's forgiveness. For, for us, all of us who've been doing this for a while, we think... I got myself here. <laughs> I'm telling you, spiritual pride is the worst kind of pride. When we, start, when we start to say things like, you know how long I've been serving? How about someone else step up? You know how long I've been giving? telling you, man, that's how spiritual pride will begin to rot in your spirit. You no longer worship God. You no longer pray to God. You're on the throne. Hello. My friends, repentance grows as you go closer to Jesus. You know why? The closer you walk with Jesus the more you don't want anything to disrupt that flow. You're like, any little thing, you're like, man, I don't want anything to mess up this thing. This is too good. This is too important. He's the lover of my soul. I don't want anything to come between me and the person who loves me the most. That's true repentance. It's not, oh my gosh, I can't, you know, I can't believe you did that. It's like, of course I want to repent. I don't want anything to get in the way of God's will for my life. That's when you have a love relationship. It's not a guilt relationship. It's not, I'm sorry I got caught. Watch out, the pastor's coming. (laughs) My friends, God sees everything and he still says, remember who you are. That's what I feel when I sin is, that's not who I'm supposed to be. I'm better than that. Not because I'm better, but because he has blessed me to be better. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, it's not like, oh, I'm better than you. It's more like, no, I know I'm better than that. I'm better than being rude. I'm better than being bitter. I'm better than being anxious. I'm better than, than trying to, to, to be right. I'm better than that. That's the repentance. I'm better than a one-night stand. I'm better than than earning under the table. I am better than weed. I am better than crack. I'm better than that. That's repentance. That's what that is. And who initiates that? The God who loves you. In your city says, you're better than that. Get up and come home where you belong. Come to grace, come to healing, come to freedom, come to restoration. You're better than that. That's the grace of God. 
That's why Paul says, if you truly understand grace, would you go on sinning? Of course not. Why would you keep ruining your life when you know grace has you? That's why in church, we need more than forgiveness. We need power and deliverance. So we don't go backwards. We go forward. We're not here to make anyone feel guilty. We're here to remind you, remember who you truly are. A son of God, a daughter of God, a a king in God's economy. He says, go back and be who I created you to be. I don't want anything to block my flow. This is a day to discipline. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O God. Because I love you. Memorial Day weekend today makes 21 years since Jesus got a hold of me. 21 years of walking with Jesus takes a lot of repentance. (laughs) Takes a lot of repentance. But man, I wouldn't trade it for anything. To live with Jesus is the greatest decision of my life. Not going to church. No, be in the church. Knowing that my words represents Jesus. My behavior, my actions, my thoughts, my Facebook page, my Twitter page, my Instagram page. Behind the scenes is what gives me the strength and the power to do the things in front of the scene. Repentance is part of life for those who are serious about walking with the Lord. You know you don't have a heart-to-heart of grace when you justify your sin more than you confess your sin. Some people will fight you over the very thing that's killing them because they haven't understood. You don't know who you are yet. If you knew who you are, you would never argue over your sin. God's people are quick to repent, slow to judge others. When you have a tender heart for God, you're not trying to break down where does the sin begin and where does it end. How far is too far? It's already too far. Not trying to justify how do I get away with things. It's more like, God, how do we get closer to you? That's the question I want to ask. How do I keep getting closer to you? I don't want any hint of things that's going to keep me from your will. So it's not like, hey, what do you think? You think this is sin? You think that's sin? The moment you start asking, you're asking all the wrong questions. It's God. How do I get closer to your heart and to your will and to your purpose and to my destiny and my, and my identity? That's my drive. That's my confession. I'm not trying not to sin. I'm trying to be like you. There's a difference. I'll be honest with you, a lot of these questions about what's in our sin is boring and irrelevant. It's like, man, if you're so focused on God, why are you worried about, is, 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 well, weed now is legal, is that a sin? My goodness. Do I need any substance other than the Holy Spirit, who is the substance of life that can sustain me and strengthen me? And we, I'm telling you, when we're not in tune with who we're supposed to be, we'll ask all the dumb questions. Well, I do love him, but we're not married. It's like, man, what do you love more? The will of God or having sex? Which one? It's not hard. Should I tie what I make out of the, the gross, or should I tie after? It's like, what does it matter? Doesn't he give you all of it? Doesn't he give you the whole gross? Why can't you just do his will? Because you love him. You're not trying to articulate and try to make math. It's like, I love you. What do you want me to do? What do you call me to do? It's that simple. It's not hard. It's not hard. He said, you're the body. Okay, so what does that mean? Well, he means serve. Do something useful with your hands and your feet. Join the mission. Join the class. Do something. Serve the city. Pray. Believe. Give. Restore. Help. That's the point. That's the point. We argue over stuff that means absolutely jack to God. 
Well, what do you think about this Bible teacher or that Bible teacher? Well, do they teach you the word? Are you getting closer to God? Should you care? Don't you let God be the judge? Or who does it this way or that way? Who made you the judge of anything? You're supposed to call the word of God into existence in your life. Stop worrying about who's breaking it down the right way or the wrong way. Why don't you be the embedment of who God is? I'm telling you, it's exhausting and boring. Because after you do all the breakdown, you still don't do jack with it. And that's sin, my friends. Sin is talking a good game and never walking it out. And that's worse than the guy who's on crack, but he's praying, God, set me free from this thing. It's worse. I'm telling you, sometimes, this is going to mess you up, but the people you think are farthest from God might be closest to God than those who think they are close to God. Have you noticed that everybody who talks about hell and judgment think they're already in? They think they're already in, because if they didn't think they're already in, they wouldn't be talking that way. But God says, there's come a day, we're going to be very surprised when he starts saying, well done, my good and faithful servant. You, I don't know you. You know religion, but you don't know me. You don't know my heart. You don't know my, my, my desires and my passion. My friends, we need a heart of repentance. We need a heart of repentance more than we need to look at other people that are doing. Because i got to stand before him, and he's going to say, what would you do with the life I gave you? Well, I broke down the Greek and Hebrew. My friends, let me end. I'm going back to James. But let me show you the the verse before. Look, he said, humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil. You know who comes with those weird details? It's the devil. That's where we don't have discernment. We're thinking we're being spiritually mature. You ever heard a spiritual mature say, I'm not being fed? A mature person will never say that. That's how immature we are. We say things we think are mature, but very immature. Because a baby says, feed me. A mature person goes and finds something to eat. So be careful who you agree with. Resist the devil. Resist the devil when he's trying to tell you to judge others. Resist the devil when he's making you try to nitpick what's going on in the church as opposed to be in the church. That's what you got to resist. Because he's not coming and saying, hey, I'm here to ruin your life. And he will flee from you. You want to resist the devil? Just repent. He can't stand repentance. Because he knows, man, that's the only thing that will get you right back to God. Come close to God. God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Again, not as in you sinners. More like you're missing it. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. You know why, for a lot of us, it's so hard to follow Jesus? Because we're divided. I don't know if you read Psalm 119 this week, which, by the way, it's my job to preach and give you the assignment, but if you don't do it, that's on you. That's on you. You're responsible for when you hear the word and you don't do it. But if you read it, you know what he says? One of the verses he says, he says, God, deliver me from having a double mind. Where I'm in church and then I go back to the world. That's why you're in turmoil. Never a peace. Because you haven't fully said, God, I'm all yours. Everything and nothing less. It's not a song. It's a declaration. I'm all yours. God, I don't want to be divided between me and my addiction. I don't want to be divided between me and my lust. I don't want to be divided between me and my greed. I don't want to be divided between me and my pride. I don't want to be divided between me and the person that I won't forgive. It's all yours. I don't want to go to your church and miss the point because I'm over here raiding this church service as opposed to be in church. My friends, this is the heart of repentance. 21 years I've been doing this. Search my heart, oh God. And know my thoughts. See if there's anything wrong in me. And stir me towards your will. 
This is not, we don't have time to play church games. We want to be the people of God. Holy and pleasing to Him. He says that's your act of worship. When you no longer conform to the ways of the world, but you are transformed by renewal of your mind. My friends who have been Christians for a long time, when was the last time you, you took yourself out of your seat and came to the altar and said, God, I want to publicly stand before everybody and seek you because we think it's for the sinners. My God, we have lost the heart of God, I'm telling you. We have lost it when we think some people need it. You ever heard people say that? That person really needs Jesus. You know what you just said? You really don't get it. You really don't get how far you are from Jesus. You have no idea. You have no clue how far you are from Jesus. I invite you to stand with me today with the heart of repentance. I invite you to stand like, like we're the Simbas who need to remember who we really are. We need to seek the heart of God above all things. Who would weep? Who will truly repent? Christian, what was the last time you stopped to repent? Truly. Say, God, wash me. Cleanse me. Restore me. Heal me. And then empower me to go forgive those I need to forgive. Empower me to go and make things right with those I need to make things right with. When was the last time that you weren't offended at the word of God, but you were more like, God, I need more. I need more. When was the last time you were like, man, God, I don't want to leave church. I just want more. I just want more. I want more. I want more of your presence. I want more of your goodness. We're not here to make you feel guilty. We're after the heart of God. Which, by the way, open the doors for those who want to go. This is not about that. This is about... God, everything and nothing less. My heart is yours, completely yours. I surrender. As we sing this, I want to encourage you today. Sometimes you got to take a step. Sometimes you got to take a step. It can't just be, you know, like take a step and say, God, look, I'm taking a step towards you. I need you in my life. I've let things slide for so long. I've been away for so long. I've been dry. I've been bitter. I've been prideful. I've been egotistic. It's been all about me. Oh, God, break me so I can actually encounter you. Thanks for joining us today. If you want to connect with us, you can find us at newlifesouthcoast.com for any further information.